Hey, what's going on, guys? This is GP. This is the Bull. This is JC. This is Flash. This is Denny Hendricks. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. And you're listening to the Run and Gun Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Run and Gun Podcast with me, Jay Peeps. And this is day, I don't even know what day it is for quarantine. But something interesting to look at regarding Major League Baseball, even though it is postponed until possibly May or June, there's something interesting to look at with how it would pick up where it left it off. Well, where it would pick up, not really where it, would left, where it left off, but where it would pick up regarding how the season would be structured. So we're looking right now at a possibility of a 32-game schedule. Now, a lot of people are wondering, you know, how would that work? So it would be one American League division against another American League division, or really, no, not even that. One American League division against their own opponents. So basically saying the Yankees would be playing all the teams in their division in the AL East eight times each. Four times at Yankee Stadium and then possibly four times on the road, which would mean... The Yankees would be playing the Red Sox four times in Yankee Stadium and then four times in Fenway. Same with the Rays. Four times in Yankee Stadium, four times in the Trop, and then so on and so forth with the Blue Jays and the Orioles. So that's how that would work. Same thing goes for the National League division. The Basically saying the Dodgers would be playing their NL West opponents each, or no, eight times, four times in Dodger Stadium and then four times on the road for each. Not to mention, this would also make for a very interesting postseason for both sides, for the National League and the American League, because now you're going to match up against teams that you have not seen all season long. So, I mean, all the jokes aside, the Astros won't be able to really kind of cheat and get tape on everybody like they really want to because they wouldn't have a full league schedule and everything like they would like to, which would be probably be beneficial to everybody. And then also, too, the National League wouldn't play the American League until the World Series. And then also, I think with that, a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, who would be the home team? Who would have the home field advantage? I think best record host at that point. I really do. Because normally what baseball's done is with the All-Star game, whoever wins the All-Star game gets to have home field advantage in the World Series. So this year, you might as well just do, you know, whoever's got the better record needs to have home field advantage. So that's one way to look at it for Major League Baseball. Regarding the NBA, some sad news. Harlem Globetrotter legend Curly Neal has passed away at the age of 77. No, it was not coronavirus related, but it was just, you know, of old age. Or not, no, it wasn't of old age. I forget what it was. I forget what it was that was his cause of death. Best to look that up. Um, would now be a good time to release the 90 Chicago Bulls 10-episode documentary. I really think it would be. It would be fantastic if ESPN and the everybody that was on that Chicago Bulls team would just come to an agreement and say, you know what, release it now. I would really appreciate that because now like, that would give us all something to watch. But, I mean, honestly, too, I think it'll be worth the wait. And hopefully by the time it comes out, everything will be back to normal. Another interesting tidbit to look at 
regarding sports, and the NCAA is Ohio State quietly has now overthrown Clemson and the SEC in the recruiting rankings. Because now Ohio State is, has the number one recruiting class in the country with 15 overall recruits committed. I don't know if those those are 100% locked in commitments or if those are just temporary commitments. So we'll see what happens there. A lot can still happen. We haven't even played a season yet. We haven't had spring practices. Those are canceled. So once the season kind of gets rolling and we see like who's doing what and how good is how good are certain people doing, then we'll have a better idea of if Ohio State can hold on to this. But so far, in my opinion, I'm looking at this from the perspective of evaluating Ryan Day, the head coach, and I'm very impressed. I really would not have thought that you know Ohio State was going to be able to get that far ahead of everybody else, but they've stepped up. They've really stepped up and done a great job. Now on to some FAMU news. FAMU had us all thinking that they were going to be making some big-time move regarding facilities or some type of donation that was going to be made to the athletic department, but really it was just virtual set Friday, which, I mean, you know, that's still pretty good because, I mean, it's kind of, it connects all the alumni with the kids that go there now regarding the set and stuff, and the set's very important to FAMU. I understand that. But, I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be something facility-based because I'm going to be honest, these were my four assumptions. It was going to be a facility upgrade to Bragg to the field house. They were probably going to get an indoor practice facility. That's what I was thinking. Or added stands to the baseball stadium. Those were my four assumptions. I really thought that that might have been what was coming, but I guess not. Also, too, Ryan Stanley impressed in his private workout. So with the HBCU Combine being canceled... Due to the circumstances at hand, Ryan Stanley was forced to have his own private workout for NFL teams. And so in that workout, he ran a 4.57 40-yard dash, which was faster than any quarterback that was at the combine. 4.21 20-yard shuttle, which was faster than any quarterback at the combine. And a 35-inch vertical, which was which would have been the third best of all the QBs at the combine. And it was only... And I think that was only third to Jordan Love and Kelly Bryant from Missouri. So even still, that was that's very fantastic. And then now it makes you wonder. The only question left for us that weren't that didn't see this is how well did he throw? And then did he do the classroom aspect of it all well? Because that goes a long way. If you can break down the X's nose in front of NFL scouts and kind of you know point out okay this is a check down that's a check down that's your hot route someone's got a double move i'm reading the safety on this one reading the linebacker on this one i'm watching for the corner blitz things like that that's impressive if you can point those things out if you can do all that in a pre-snap read and they'll probably check in and check out of a play and things like that pro scouts love those things they really do but honestly i i have to say this if yeah i from looking at these numbers, if he had, because I mean, it's surprising how the best quarterback in HBC football didn't get invited to the combine, if you ask me. But if he had gotten invited to the combine, I think that he would have made himself some money that day in Indy. Because in most aspects, he outshined Justin Herbert as far as speed and quickness and probably ability to throw the football. He outdid. Justin Herbert, Tua, 
Tua didn't even throw or work out at the combine. Probably would have outdone Jordan Love. Faster than the fastest quarterback at the combine, which was Cole, Cole McDonald out of the University of Hawaii. So, you know, all of that's impressive. So now we just wait and see, and we wonder, you know, how did the classroom aspect of it all go? And how did the on-field throwing go? Next up is the NFL, and a lot of interesting stuff going on with the NFL. NFL is considering revising the helmet rule for 2021 and beyond because of it. Originally, it was set up like this. The NFL did not allow for teams to wear more than one helmet. If your helmet color was, say, white, you can only wear white. So for a team like the Bucks, you cannot they can wear the pewter helmets, but they can't wear the white helmets, which means no cream schools. For the Seahawks, they can only wear those navy blue helmets, which means no going back to the gray the gray helmets, which means no throwbacks. The Patriots can only wear their silver helmets, which means no Pat Patriot and no throwback uniforms. That's what that means, unfortunately. And so now, with this new helmet rule going into effect, this now means that in 2021, throwback uniforms such as the following will be will be coming back: the Bucks cream skulls uniforms, the Houston Oilers baby blue jerseys, which will be worn by the Tennessee Titans, might I add, not the Houston Texans. The tech, the Tennessee Titans will be wearing that because. They are the Houston Oilers originally. The Patriots white helmets with Pat Patriot and the red jerseys will come back. Cowboys 1960s jerseys with the white helmet will be worn more than likely on Thanksgiving. The Seahawks throwbacks with the gray helmet and the uh, throwback Seahawk on the side of the helmet will be coming back as well. And honestly, I would like to see the Jacksonville Jaguars original uniforms come back because those were nice. Those uh, teal uniforms, those were cool. Every Everyone liked those. I don't know why they got away from that. That retro look was so cool. They, they should have kept that originally. That should have been the permanent look. Also, in regards to free agency, the, the Panthers have released Cam Newton. Cam Newton later posted a video on Instagram working out the gospel music saying, they gave up on me. They, they gave up on me. Yeah, they did. But, you know, there's there's other aspects at that as well. But they did give up on Cam Newton, and I felt, you know, I was like, look, you need to give Cam some time to get healthy. That's the thing, in my opinion. But, you know, he wasn't in Matt Rule's plans, and neither was Greg Olson, and neither was all these guys that Carolina got rid of on defense, like Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy. Uh, unreal. I could, They tore down the whole defense, basically. And the two iconic names in the offense – and Greg Olson and Cam Newton, and now they're restructuring this whole thing, which means that this. I'm interested to see who's the first over the number, who is the first round draft pick for Carolina. I'm interested to see. I really am. Also, Trent Williams was asked. He asked the Redskins to either trade him or release him. Trent Trent Williams has been making claims to get out of Washington for the longest. For the longest, ever since the season ended, he's been, he's been trying to get out of Washington. He's tired of it. Panthers sign Robbie Anderson. They add another weapon to go along with Christian McCaffrey and uh, Curtis Samuel and C.J. Moore. No, D.J. Moore to that offense. Saints sign Emmanuel Sanders. I know a lot of Bucks fans wanted Emmanuel Sanders as that wide receiver number three. Doesn't happen, so now the Saints get him. Drew Brees has a new toy to play with down in New Orleans. 
Rashad Perryman leaves and signs with the Jets. Von Bell leaves New Orleans and signs with the Bengals. In return, the Saints go out and they get Malcolm Jenkins. They go out and get Malcolm Jenkins, bring in another safety. Safety with starting experience, well-respected around, around the league. And now they have that enforcer back in their secondary. But age is, age is another thing. You know, father time is undefeated, so we're going to see what happens with Malcolm Jenkins. Bruce Arians also put the Antonio Brown to Tampa talk to bed by saying it's not going to happen. There's no room. It's just not a fit here, which tells me, you know, that I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. I was like, you know, they there's no way they could ever coexist. There's no way. Not not for Tom Brady, not even with Tom Brady here. It is true, though, that, you know, wherever Tom Brady went, Antonio Brown was going to follow. Antonio Brown wanted to come to Tampa. Bruce Arians said no. He would not fit in our offense. Or no, he wouldn't fit in the, well, probably not fit in the offense, and he would not fit in the locker room. There's no way that Antonio Brown was going to take a backseat to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to be a wide receiver number three. Ain't no way. Would he do it for Tom Brady? No. Derek Wolf signs with the signs with Baltimore. Baltimore's front seven just got a lot better. Because now they have Calais Campbell. They have Derek Wolf. They've got Matthew Judon. They've got all these, all these, all, all of this. They tried to make a run at JPP. They just didn't get him. JPP would rather stay in Florida. It, it's it's scary how good Baltimore's defense is going to be. Everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson redeeming himself for next year and getting back to the playoffs and seeing what, he, what can he do with a better team next year. But, you know, I'm more excited to see Baltimore's defense and what they're going to do. Ronald Darby signs with the Redskins. Greg Zerline signs with the Cowboys. More interesting, more interesting moves regarding NFL free agency. What oh yeah, also too regarding this Antonio Brown to Tampa thing, they also asked CBS Sports also asked Bruce Arians what if he comes on a veterans minimum. He said no. I just know him and it's not going to fit in our locker room. So basically back to what I was saying, he's not a fit in Tampa Bay's locker room. There's like like I said, there's no way he would take a backseat to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. No way. Not with his ego. Tom Brady did his conference call earlier in the week, last week, with Tampa Bay Media and a lot of media members from Boston and L.A. He says he's looking forward to getting to work ASAP with his new teammates. said it's a new system for him, so he plans to work with his teammates to get caught up. And he plans to adjust to Bruce Arians' offense. And a lot of people were saying regarding that, you know, Bruce, Bruce Arians is going to adjust his offense to fit Tom Brady. By Tom Brady saying that he plans to adjust to the Arians' offense, tells him Bruce Arians ain't going to adjust nothing. Tom Brady is going to work his tail off to have to learn Bruce Arians' offense and adjust to it. He's going to have to adjust his game to Bruce Arians' offense. So, get ready. You're not going to see that same Tom Brady that you saw in New England. So, this is going to be interesting. says he's focused on the future and not the past. He didn't answer any questions regarding why he left New England. And boy, was he bombarded with questions by New England media regarding, you know, why did you leave New England? What did you say to Robert Kraft? What did you say to Bill Belichick? And that was the main thing that all the Boston media people asked. That's the only thing they would ever ask. You know, why Why did you leave? What was your motivation for leaving? What, what did you say to Robert Kraft when you left? Why did you go to his house and tell him that you were leaving? I'm like, dude. He obviously just said that he's worried about the future and ready to get to work with his new teammates in Tampa. 
let it go. Just let that thing go. Also, Dominic Sue's back with the Bucks on a one-year deal worth $8 million. He also made sure, just like Bruce Arians, to see what was behind door number two. I think, really, he wanted to go to Dallas and pair up with Gerald McCoy. But the Cowboys went ahead and signed Dontari Poe and Gerald McCoy. And funny enough, both started in Carolina last year. NFL free agents that still remain unsigned, Jameis Winston, Winston. And if you were watching the Rich Eisen podcast or listening to it, you saw what uh, Bruce Arians had said regarding Jameis. He said that that he spoke to two teams specifically about picking up Jameis. I'm not sure what two teams that was, but he did speak to two teams. Would be a year or two on the bench help Jameis progress? That's what. That's another question that was asked, and that's another question that I have for myself. Really, you know, I think a year or two for Jameis to sit would be perfect for him. I think it would be humbling, and allow him to see a lot of things, because a lot of people think, you know, was that three game suspension time, like where he said when you when you spent those three those three games away from the team, was that good enough? I'd have to agree and say that that was not good enough. Just wasn't, because of the fact of the matter that you know. Three games is not enough for a young quarterback to just sit back and just watch and learn. It's really not. You need about a couple of years to sit back and learn and watch and kind of break the film down, get a good understanding of almost every, all the top players in the league, know their tendencies, know certain defenses' tendencies, like how do you make reads on certain defenses and things like that. Where, where do you go with the football if you get this look? Where do you go with the football if you get this blitz? Where do you go with the football if, this person's covered. If the first and second option is covered, where do you go with it? What is option three? Things like that. And that's what I think James probably needs to do is probably right now just take a break. Well, not take a break, but you know what I mean. Take a break, sit back, be a backup for a couple of years. But depending on the situation, if you can start, go ahead and try to start. Because now also this is that brings me to the next point. This is what Chris Sims said on his podcast or on his TV show, I don't really know what it is, it's on NBC Sports, with Mike Florio, and he said that Jameis may be too good to be a backup in certain situations, because he's better than certain QBs, in my opinion, like Matt Ryan, Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles. I really feel like Jameis should be right there competing for a starting spot in Chicago. I really do. You're really going to have a competition between Nick Foles and and, uh, Mitch Trubisky? Really? Chargers, you're really going to trust Tyrod Taylor to carry your franchise? You got Cam Newton and Jameis out there. One of those two guys can produce for you and do all the things Tyrod can't. But a couple other free agents that remained unsigned, Cam Newton, who does need a physical, Andy Dalton, Everson Griffin, Jadavian Clowney, Logan Ryan, Demarius Randall, Michael Bennett, and that's it really. All those guys still remain unsigned. But I think a little bit of it has to do with, you know, coronavirus limiting limiting the players and stuff. And now you've already seen where the facilities have been shut down. Regarding the draft, you know, war wounds are going to have to be off-site and not inside of team facilities. So there's that. And, you know, nobody can get a physical done, really. Jameis had LASIK eye surgery and meniscus surgery. He still needs a physical done for teams in order to sign with somebody. Cam Newton has a history of injuries. He needs a physical done before anybody's going to really take a chance on him. So I think that's part of the reason why Cam and Jameis are waiting for so long. These other guys like Jadavian Clowney, I think it's, you know, consistency and not being lazy. Because I noticed it when he was at South Carolina, you know, when when he made the hit 
against Michigan in the Outback Bowl. The next year, he was not he was not making the same impact. You just didn't feel it from Clowney. Everson Griffin, heck of a talent. Heck of a talent. But I, I really feel like someone's going to pick him up soon. Andy Dalton, he's a backup somewhere. But if he go, but if he goes somewhere and he starts, I could see it being New England. But now, the the trivia with the bug. Yes, this is the bug again. I have another NFL trivia question, and the trivia question is. Who has the all-purpose yards record for a playoff game in the NFL? And that means all-purpose yards means from scrimmage, receiving, punt return, kickoff return. Okay, all-purpose yards in a playoff game for the NFL. And that's our trivia question for this episode of the Running Gun Podcast. If you have the answer, please comment below on the video for YouTube. Or when this video is shared on Twitter or Facebook, please leave your comment below with your answer. Again, that question is, record: who has the record for all-purpose yards in an NFL playoff game? Who is it? But before, we leave, also, before I leave, I also want to give a shout-out to J.C., Flash, Hendrix, and also DSAS for helping out with the editing for this video and for the editing for other videos here in the future. And as always, that's going to do it for me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Running Gun Podcast. If you haven't already, like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and listen to other episodes of the Running Gun Podcast. If you have not already, also follow us on Facebook at Penalty Talk. Follow us on Instagram at Throw Flags. Follow us on Twitter at Penalty Talk. And as always, you know, please continue to practice social distancing. Please continue to wash your hands. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Uh, continue to stay home and stay safe. And as always, God bless. I will see you on the next episode. From the bottom, you can see the way I start I want all the diamonds, I want that shit to wear a ton The app, they tryna lie me, cause they hate the piss